Have you ever been ghosted by a job applicant? Maybe you scheduled an interview and they just never showed or didn't follow up on a phone call. This week, we're going to talk about what you should do if you choose not to move forward in an employment process. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And one of the tough topics that you may be confronted with, especially during a job market as hot as this, is what do you do if you change your mind about going forward with a job? Perhaps you've sent your resume in and you did a phone call and you liked it, but suddenly you had second thoughts or reservations and you decide not to go through with an interview. What do you do? How do you be that good kind of employee, that person that we want to talk about favorably, as opposed to somebody who ghosts an employer? This week, we're going to talk about that and so much more. But before we talk about that, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, I am hearing so many complaints from owners and practice managers around the country about being ghosted during the interview process. I mean, they schedule something and somebody just doesn't show up. Are you hearing the same thing? I am hearing it so much and not even just that, but even folks who get hired and then just completely bail on their first day, leave at lunch and don't come back and just disappear into thin air. <laughs> right. And, and viewfinders, we understand that it doesn't always work out and we get that. And we've done a podcast way back in the past, sometime over the past four and a half years ago, that we talked about leaving your job gracefully. But today we want to talk about what happens during that interview process, during that employment process, you know, when you're trying to get a job or being acquired. You know, how do you handle that? Because Becky, one of my biggest fears about this sort of swell of no-shows is the fact that it's kind of tainting veterinary professionals in general. A lot of managers and owners are going, uh, you know, and maybe there's even a generational stain that could be applied. So we want to help you navigate this kind of tough, tricky area and so that you can exit with grace from an interview process. Yeah, I think that we, especially in the support staff roles, are so much like people pleasers and we we have a very hard time in general I think in this profession with no um and no being like a whole sentence so unfortunately I'm afraid we're kind of just like skirting out on it entirely maybe or just avoiding the confrontation um and and just not showing up and I don't know I, I I'm a, like you said I'm a little bit worried about just sort of the the coloring of our profession that can happen with those kinds of experiences for hiring managers um but then also like you know like we talked about before the show even like what happens down the road for their next interview and their next interview and their next right. interview if you've been ghosted the last three times um what happens when that interview comes in and now do you just sort of have this expectation that they're going to just disappear or um not show up or I, I, right right you're so right becky i had a practice manager tell me or actually you know she was just kind of posting and i had responded to something and she replied back saying hey you know what i'm thinking of double booking interviews now you know, yeah. so like some clinics do with, with no-show appointments. And so she's like, that way, at least I know one of my interviews will show up. But but again, you know, viewfinders, I think the, the, the first and most important message we want to impart on you today is just be forthright communicate. I mean, you can send a quick text or email saying, hey, you know what, I've rethought, I've reconsidered, you know, I'm just not uh, interested in pursuing the interview today or whatever. Like, honestly, that's that's kind of the bare minimum. I think that's not asking too much, right, Becky? 
Well, I think people forget how small the industry is in general. And I think especially when we're dealing with non-credentialed staff or other support staff members that maybe aren't as widely involved in the profession, we, we don't realize how small this space is. And so I think you can really kind of tarnish your name in an area um, if, if this is a pattern that you have. But the other thing is, is I think we forget that employers are used to being told no, that that's okay, yeah, that they yeah. are, you know, that they have to tell people no, we chose somebody else in this interview process and that they will be turned down um, in the offer that they give you. And, and more than anything, we have to remember that we are in a, we are in a bargaining role, right? Like you don't have to accept every position, but I'm I'm just a little baffled at the whole like no show no call no you know I, I, that part just kind of confuses me and then w w what happens later like that's that's kind of a burnt bridge and maybe I just live in a small town and I'm like I'm gonna see that person at the grocery store or something <laughs> right, you know and right. like I don't know I guess I'm just the men the if you've ever ghosted <laughs> on an interview or a job we just come to Facebook and tell us kind of the, the story behind it and um what happened because I'm just interested to know sort of what brings someone to to that point. Right. And you probably have a very good reason for that, right? I mean, you probably decided something just triggered you and said, whoa, red flag or whatever. We get that. And you didn't even have to disclose your reasons. But I think you owe it to the employer just to say, hey, thanks, but no thanks. And I'll tell you, you'll gain a lot of respect that way. They will keep your resume on file. I've, I mean, this has happened to me innumerable times, Becky, uh, over the past 30 years. I mean, literally, you know, these people like, you're like, oh, they're really good. You know, we kind of want to kind of file that away because if they ever come back, you know, we want to make sure we put them at the front of the list type of thing. Whereas if you just ghost on us, no, we're trashing it. We're like, no way. You know, she's unreliable. He's, he's not dependable. I mean, that's, that's just, you can't start off anything like that. And Becky makes a really good point, viewfinders, the fact that it is a small industry. We typically live in small communities. And, you know, if you think you just go across town and everything will be fine, there's a good chance that somebody's going to intersect <laughs> with those people over there and go, oh, wow, really? You guys hired him? Yeah, because yeah. he like totally like bailed on us. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's sort of what I'm thinking about is, you know, that small, the nature of this, this, you know, very small profession and kind of how that all works out for, for people. And, you know, I don't want to point fingers, right? But like, what, what is the, I, I get so flustered. What are the job requirements? Like, what is the professionalism in the ad? What is the professionalism in our contact to the individuals? Like, are they just sort of thinking it doesn't matter because they don't feel the professionalism from the get-go or maybe the ad is just sort of super generic and it doesn't seem like a professional job? Is it that we're interviewing and targeting? See, because this is the other thing. I hear that this is credentialed staff. I hear this is people with experience, that this isn't just Joe Schmo off the street who's just trying to meet unemployment applications, that these are actually credentialed individuals. So is this a fact that we are in a employee's market and they just are getting so many offers and they have so many opportunities? Or... And I venture to say this is a lot of what I read. Individuals get pissed off. They get mad at their clinic. A situation happens. They clean up their resume. They send it out to local clinics. And then by the two weeks later that they've gotten the phone call, 
they've calmed down yeah. and they don't want to leave their clinic. I've even seen circumstances where support staff are offered jobs at other clinics and then are going through this guilt process about leaving and they really want to go to this other clinic and it's going to be more money and it's going to be more opportunity, but they feel guilty because their staff is overworked, their clinic is short-staffed, and they feel like they're bailing on their coworkers and their clients. So I wonder how much of this has to do, and I just feel like I haven't gotten to say it in a few episodes, of the clinic culture. Yeah. Yeah. And Becky, that's a really important point because I do think there are a lot of people that, that sort of flirt with leaving their job and they clean yeah. up their resume, as you say, and then suddenly, you know, they're inundated with offers and they don't know what to do. And again, viewfinders, we're just saying, just let them know, because I'll tell you this, having been around now for 30 years in the profession, I've seen at least two times when we had a hot employee market, right? So where basically you guys could get a job anywhere, anytime, anyhow, right? And I've also seen at least three cycles where we had high unemployment and people were scrambling to get anything they could in terms of work. And so what I don't want this this generation maybe of, of young veterinary professionals to do is to somehow affect that future opportunity because Becky, everything that goes up must come down and we will be in a job scarcity market, you know, at some point, probably within the next five to 10 years for sure. And I just want us to make sure that we're setting up ourselves up for success when it, times are lean. So again, you know, let's say that you are flirting, you're not happy with your current job and you do send out a couple of resumes and voila, you get an offer or you get somebody who says, we'd like to meet with you. Just do them a courtesy, man. You know, do them a solid, as they used to say in the 80s. And just send them, you know, a note saying, hey, thank you so much. But right now at this time, you know, I'm not able to, to move forward. That's honestly all we're saying here, I, I think. Yeah, but I mean, are we in just a ghosting generation where people are like, look, I'm just not going to put the time into confrontation? You know, yeah. is it that we've just titled it and we know, like, did people used to ghost on dates and friendships and things like that and we just didn't title it? Um, but I do know that in the, all of the years I've been in the profession, I've not heard this pattern this much. And I think another point that should be considered is, while your staff is completely overworked and you're totally short staffed, these office managers are going to their staffs and saying, I'm interviewing three people today. I'm really trying. Right, right. Well, then does the staff get this like glimmer of hope that they're going to have some help? And then when that help just doesn't show up on the first day or leaves at lunch, are we really just beating down this other staff oh, wow. that is just there thinking, oh man, we were going to get help and then they just didn't show up? Do they oh, alternately yeah. resent uh, management for not getting the right hire or for not for for whatever it is because it's easier to blame when we're angry and frustrated right so what yeah. is the effect on our team members who like have this light at the end of the tunnel like extinguished every time somebody just doesn't show up Right. And it's a little bit like being turned down or stood up on a date. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, it's like, wait, is there something wrong with me? Like, you know, and then you're the employee watching all of this unfold going, whoa, there must be something really wrong here. And it's not. I mean, it's probably not. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I, I don't know. But wow, Becky, that's a really another really good point. That's some insight viewfinders that I didn't expect. And, and well done, Becky. Well done. <laughs> that's what they do. Make up with them every but now it, and then. It can be demoralizing. I mean, sure. you're sitting here watching this process process unfold before you. Your your practice manager scheduled four, you know, interviews in a week. And this is a story that I heard last week. And and only 
I mean, only one of them showed up. Three stood her up, right? Yeah. Can, can you imagine being like the person in the office saying, hey, what are you doing? Well, I'm waiting on an interview that's not going to show up. And doing that three times in a week? Wow, that's a that's a gut punch. Right, and what a waste of your time, yeah. right? Like oh, we know yeah, our office yeah. managers don't have that kind of time in general. Um, and then you're afraid to start a project in case they come in. And, you know, I, I think in general, it leaves us all very vulnerable, right? And vulnerability sucks for everyone. So we end up with this like frustration. And I think as office managers, again, because they, a lot of the ones I know carry a lot of burden on their shoulders, feel like they've let the team down, feel like they've, you know, well, could I, they looked like a good candidate on paper. What could I be doing better right. to make sure the candidates that I'm getting in my appointment book are actually as good as I think they're going to be on paper and get them in the clinic. And, you know, that's the thing I'd really like to figure out for our, our listeners is how do we get this Keep the, I mean, do we start putting like a credit card deposit on our interviews? Like, what do we do? <laughs> I like that. But, you know, Becky, I, I love the fact that you're saying, look, is this a cultural phenomenon, right? Is this generation ghost? And and I mean, is it accepted? So, like, uh, is it you and me that are looking at this differently or, or perhaps, you know, wrong compared to, to what some people think? I, I, I don't know. I do know in human decency and courtesy and respect for others. And so to me, this is a pretty clear cut example of no, that's disrespectful just to not show up or to fail to follow through on your word. You know, you say, I'll, I'll call you or you call me or I'll do this or that. And then you don't, to me, that's just disrespectful. So I, I don't know that I buy the cultural thing, although I think, you know, there are norms, right? So, so have we entered into a, an era, Becky, perhaps where the way to say no to somebody is to say nothing? Yeah, well, exactly, right? And if it, it, I think the problem is is that we don't want to be confronted. So we don't want somebody to say why. We don't like to say negative things. Like we don't want to say, well, you know, I found a better place or even say like, well, my clinic straightened out its act or my, you know, oh, so often they find out you're looking for a job and then there comes the money you've been looking for and, and whatever else. And I think we just don't feel, and, and we don't want to say like, well, you're not offering the money or X, Y, or like whatever it is. I think we just don't want to say the confrontational things. We right. don't necessarily want to say negative things. And and again, it's sort of, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Like that's as old as you and I. <laughs> so right. maybe it's just sort of like how it's done. And I, and I do think there is sort of this more accepting um, space of like, well, they ghosted me. And part of that, I think, is because we have technology and because we have 17 ways to reach each other. So you have to just completely ignore everything. Right. Um, as opposed to, well, they just stood me up on a date or and of course, not going to try to call them again or, or do anything. I think there's more um, opportunity to, I guess, catfish there. But for our clinics, I mean, this isn't we're not dating. Like, why? Why did you take the time and energy to reach out to me? Um and again, like you said, a text and email, I think we can be, we can do a better job of communicating. But again, it's not just the what, it's the why and the how do we fix it or avoid it in our clinics. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you too, viewfinders, let's say that you do decide to send that text, say, hey, thanks, but no thanks. And honestly, you just almost that simple say, hey, thanks a lot. I've, I've, I've reconsidered, you know, and I, and I appreciate the opportunity, but I'm not going to move forward. Like that's it. And, and you're going to be surprised by the number of times all you get back is, okay, thanks for letting me know. Right. They're not going to like do an inquiry into, okay, can you explain to me why you're stopping at this point? Right. If that happens, you find us, please let me know because that manager or that owner needs a talking to. Sure. Because most of the time we just want to know, hey, thanks. And you know what? 
we really don't care. <laughs> you know, it's not a it's not an exit interview. Like we were just in the interview process. <laughs> we're not, we're not, and they would rather hear it from you now than in right. two weeks when you get right. there and decide it isn't your place, right? And then they have to go through this process again. And I think it's kind of to your point where it comes, it ebbs and flows, right? So if it is a employee's market, um, and we've got them disappearing. The flip side of that coin is our managers are doing 10 interviews in a day and they have to narrow it down to one or two people. They're literally going to do the same thing and probably reach out to you and say we've gone in a different direction. But what about the flip side when we never hear back from that employer we went on an interview with? And I think that is outside of this kind of weird time um, what I hear more often, I went on an interview and then I never heard back. It's been two weeks. Should I call? Should right. I inquire? Do I just assume that they don't, um, want, want me? Right. And I think I've heard so much frustration and, um, vulnerability in the past from that angle that I guess I'm a little bit surprised we turn around and do the same thing. It's a really good point. And guys, if, if you've heard me lecture over the past 30 years about the interview process, I mean, you know what I say, don't leave them hanging. You owe them a response. And it can be, you know, look, there's nothing wrong with telling somebody thanks, but no thanks on both sides of this equation. Uh, and I think that, yes, so if you have been ghosted by a manager, an owner in the past, viewfinders, we'd like to hear that as well, because I do acknowledge that happens. But just like Becky's saying, and I'm saying, there's a cycle to this, right? So right now we're in the cycle where, the employees are ghosting management, but yet in a job scarcity environment, it's going to be the employee ghosting on the employer. You know? But is that the tone that was set? So is, are Maybe. these people yeah. who have gone on interviews in the past five years and never been contacted back? And so now they're just sort of like, Meh, I'm not going to call them. They didn't call me. I'm not interested. I'm going to do what they did and just not go. I don't know. Like, I'm not yeah. saying it's okay, but I'm almost <laughs> right. wondering... Has this precedent been set by managers in the past when, oh, I'm just too busy to call 15 people back and tell them they didn't get the job? Yep. So I kind of wonder um, if we're picking on the individuals when this is a little bit more of a classic move that I've seen from a management level and when the tables have just turned um, because it feels unprofessional on either side. And um, I know that I have had that experience where you just don't hear back and you think, boy, I really would love to get that job. And then you don't ever hear anything back from them at all. Do we even, should we be reaching out and saying, hey, we got your resume. We're not even interested in an interview. Do we only reach out if they've had an interview and they're not getting the job? I, I, I very much wonder because I think in the past it hasn't been that big of a priority to com co communicate with a candidate. Um like you said, in great cultures, they obviously are. But I think the norm is maybe not to. And so I wonder how much that's affecting our individuals who are like, yeah, I'm not interested. So I'm going to do what they do and just not um, yeah. communicate. But making an appointment <laughs> and just not showing up, like I can't, I still go back to like, what, do you, what, what is going on there? Well, it does. It's not right on either side. I think viewfinders, that's what we're trying to really communicate. You, We just, again, this gets back to respect of, of individuals and just do the right thing. And Becky, look, I've been ghosted. I mean, I've been ghosted uh, as a, an old adult, you know, like, like I had a conference this, this year, uh, literally, and it got canceled, right? Due to COVID, they had planned it and then it had to go to virtual and all this stuff. And literally like, I got no 
follow-up and it was like, okay, I guess am I lecturing next week or not? And then, you know, so I reached out to them. They're like, oh yeah, sorry, we didn't get back to you. Yeah. We, we decided not to go forward with the, the real in real life, which I already knew. Uh, and the virtual session, we slimmed way down. So we, we didn't use all the speakers and I'm like, okay, it would have been nice to know. Right. You know? You're holding a spot on my calendar. Exactly. So it would be really nice to know that so I wasn't right. Yeah. And, and again, like, is that just to be sure that wasn't a generational group planning that conference, right? We've got people of all ages right. and is it part of it is the scramble is part of it just the weird times or is part of it just, this has been going on forever. We just haven't been talking about it. Again, you know, a generational Ooh. issue here as well, because I, I do think this, this is more accepted maybe, you know, amongst people that grew up yeah. with social media interactions. And they're like, you know what, if I respond to this social media post, I'm going to get hate. People are going to comment. Yeah. And maybe right. that's really what this is all being driven by. They're like, you know what, I don't want the drama. I just, I'm not, I'm not going to take that job. I'm not going to go up for that interview. Uh, I don't want the drama. So I just, yeah. just don't engage. And again, like on social media, it doesn't always apply to real life. And I think this is one of those examples. But anyway, anyway, I, I guess viewfinders, what what Becky and I are just saying is, you know, one, are we seeing a misrepresentation of what's actually happening out there? You know, are you hearing these stories like we are uh, and, and personally encountering, you know, or is this something that's kind of just biased because the people we talk to, you know, or maybe owners or managers or, or whatever. I just I I do think that's a real phenomenon and I want to get to the bottom of it and I want to correct it. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I've never heard so much of this happening and so much frustration. And I think it's just compounded, right? Like, and, you know, I don't know, you can kind of comment to it or not, but like there is some speculation that the shortage isn't really a shortage and that there's inefficiencies. And um, I think a lot of people would disagree with that, but that's some of what's getting noted. And I just think for our office managers, it's probably a very frustrating situation. You know, there yeah. are not plenty of fish in the sea right now. And so um, to be casting a line and pulling up an old dirty boot is, you know, it, it does feel like a, a waste of time and bait just to really milk that analogy. But um, I think for our office managers, I would love for them to be able to find the best ways to vet these individuals. Um, is it maybe starting with a phone interview instead of blocking off your time um, and, and contacting them. And I'm interested sort of in what that follow-up looks like. Like if you don't show for an interview as an office manager, what are you, what are you guys doing for these ghosts? Are you calling them? Are you emailing them? Um, are we, do we need to start a website? Like do not interview.com. <laughs> right. um, you know, kind of what are you doing to um, bounce back and to be resilient in this situation? Because that's what I guess I want to have the answer for is to how to vet and how to screen and to know um, and is it maybe we need to be asking more questions in the application process and, and understanding more of the why they're interviewing um, so we can understand maybe a little more than just qualifications on paper? And I'll tell you too, Becky, you know, veterinary practices have very long memories. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think about right now, if you finders, you can recollect some bad client encounter from five years ago and you might spot that person in Walmart and you go running in the opposite direction, right? Oh, yeah. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's my PTSD from all those years in clinic, but you know, I, I certainly, there's impressions made and, and I guess my one bit of caution will be that let's say five years from now when the economy and job market is not what it is today and you go send out that resume to that clinic <laughs> that you ghosted i'm going to tell you that memory that impression is going to be made and they're going to see that interview or that resume and they're going to go like oh yeah i remember this guy <laughs> 
I scheduled an interview and he didn't show up. Into yep. the trash it goes. And I and Becky, that will that will happen. I'm I guarantee you it will happen. Yeah, I mean we have a lot of students that listen to this podcast, and so I think that's food for thought and just a warning is is how tiny this industry really is. But one thing I'd like to kind of hit on too is just sort of those individuals who are getting frustrated on the job. And so they're cleaning up their resume and they're um, sending them out. And I guess I'm interested in your opinion there because I feel like, I guess as a married woman, I think of it as almost like marriage, right? You're in this job. If you're looking, um, if I'm out at the bar handed out my number, I'm probably out of that marriage already, right? And so, like, I think about these folks who are like, oh, I, you know, it isn't just a bad day or a bad five minutes that has you looking at your resume. And so if these reconsiderations and the ghosting and the not even going to the interview is part of I feel guilty because I don't want, you know, I really do want to leave. I really do want to interview. I don't love my job or this culture or this clinic. I'm feeling burned out. I'm feeling exhausted. But what about my coworkers and my clients? You know, what's your advice to those folks who get stuck in a guilt trap that causes them to sort of just bail on this other clinic because of just being really devoted to their own? Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. I think that if you are starting to engage and flirt around, you probably have already lost the love in that job. You know, I I remember back in in my day, I used to, to give these lectures and I would say, if you ever see the paper back in the days when we had these things called the newspaper, if it's ever like folded and open to the classified, the job wanted... Ads in your treatment area or in your break area—that's a sign you got a problem. You know, yeah. and and I think it's the same thing here. It, you know, again, if you're in a relationship and you suddenly make a Tinder account or whatever—is it Tinder? Yeah, where you swipe it, swipe right. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I'm married. Yeah, well, me too. But yeah, you know, I know that there's <laughs> all these, just, these just dating in case apps. He listens. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, you know, yeah, if you're already swiping right, you're probably disengaged from your clinic. And so I think what happens is you are now on an emotional roller coaster where one week it's really down and I got to get out of here and I'm going to send out my resume. And then the next week you're up and it's like, oh, well, yeah, I'm not going to. And I think that's also very dangerous because if you're in that kind of emotional volatility in your workplace, I mean, that's just, again, that's not very satisfying and it's not sustainable. And so I I would caution you to say, if, if you're going through patterns like that, up and down, love and hate, love and hate all the time, that wears on you and you probably need to find another job, in my opinion. Or fix it. Yeah, or to, or right. Exactly. And I and I think the guilt part of of this is additionally mm, mm-hmm. uh, super unhealthy, right? Like if Good we point. feel so committed to our teams, um, we don't do that great a job of taking care of ourselves, almost to like the martyr level, right? To where like, yeah. okay, I'm gonna hate my job and I'm gonna go in every day and feel burnt out and probably be toxic, but I love my clients and I have this one work wife that I just couldn't possibly leave, right? I think that it's really important to to think about your longevity and, and your mental health and emotional health and that of the people around you, you know, because when we're mi- miserable for 10 hours a day, we might probably come home pretty miserable too. So I think there's a lot to kind of think about there internally and to kind of really think about why you're doing this. Um, and I guess it, I, my therapist says to me, like, do you want to feel guilty for the short term or resentful for the long term? Wow, um, yeah. You know, and, and so I will offer you guys that for free from my amazing therapist is, is kind of <laughs> live in that moment and decide um and I'll tell you what, you can get a whole lot more comfortable feeling guilty than you do resentful. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. And Becky, you're right. I think the motivator is you you have that downtime, you send out the resume, 
uh, you swipe right on the dating app and somebody swipes back at you or whatever they do. And suddenly now you're like, "Uh oh, you know, I can't right. You have that guilt that you say that triggers and, and you pull back. Um, and again, you can't just ghost that that person, in my opinion, but you've got to let them know. But I, I think, boy, it's a dangerous cycle. Yeah. And sometimes I wonder too, is it just like wanting to be wanted? If you're yeah, not feeling important on, in your job, if you're not feeling valued, yeah. is it like, I just want to go somewhere and feel wanted. And even just getting that call back maybe is just enough to say like, I'm valuable. And then like you said, you have that switch. And I understand we're kind of veering from the ghosting thing, but I think the mentality behind it, I think what causes it to happen at home base can be as affecting it can affect as much as is this job interview process and this ghosting situation um yeah. but i wonder if it's just a, a feeling of being undervalued and so what i also hear a lot from these individuals is i um, started sending out my resumes i had an interview my employer found out they pulled me in the office and now they're offering me the sun the moon and the stars and then oftentimes from there everything kind of goes back to what it was Two or three months later, then a new employee comes in. They find out they're making a dollar more an hour than them. And then we're right back in this cycle, which yeah. kind of goes back to what you said of we're, we're going to remember that resume. We're going to remember your name. And you're not going to have an opportunity to come on board as opposed to if you turn me down for a job last year and then you call me this year and, and politely, right? You just say, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, I've changed my mind. If you call back in a year and say, hey, um, I'm, I'm back in the market and I'm just curious if you're looking, please reconsider my resume resume. I'm totally going to reconsider your resume. Yes. You're a good yes. communicator. You're willing to have healthy confrontational conversation. What, what do we say? Difficult conversations. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you are not burning a bridge by doing that. Um, but if you are an employer who has that habit where you find out that somebody is looking for another job and then you go and promise in the sun, the moon, and the stars, I think you are contributing to that negative culture. I think you really need to take a deep dive into how we got there in the first place um, and avoid getting there because number one, you're affecting other managers who have ghosting employees. <laughs> right, right. And two, I I know that the, the there is such a huge feeling of resentment like, oh, now that I've threatened to leave, you can pay me this. You can respect right, me this right. way. You can give me this utilization. So I think it does really kind of come down to maybe how support staff are treated on a daily basis if they feel important. Because they think if they don't feel important, there's a chance that they'll just say, well, it's not important if I go to this interview. It's not important if I show up because I'm really not an important member of the team. Wow. Viewfinders, once again, a conversation that started out with a pretty simple premise <laughs> and expanded into a whole constellation of confrontation and complicated issues. Wow, Becky, I love this conversation because I think there's a lot to unpack here. Viewfinders, are we living in a generation ghost? Has ghosting become the accepted way to say no to someone? You know, we want to find out what your thoughts are, what your experiences. Have you ghosted an employer during an interview process? Have you been ghosted as an employer during the interview process? We really want to hear your stories and perhaps together we can all agree that, hey, just tell them you're not interested and it's as simple as that. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder, on Twitter at Vet Viewfinder. And if you get a second, we really appreciate if you just head on over wherever you listen to this podcast, click to subscribe, leave us a few stars and um, some words of kind words if you have them. Uh, it really just does help get this conversation out to more folks. It really does. Viewfinders, thanks again for not ghosting us for the last yeah. almost five years. Uh, we really appreciate the time uh, to spend with you every week. It means so much to us. Until next week, bye. Bye. <laughs>
go see anybody there.